How do you scale a business to seven figures? Then how do you scale to eight figures? Then how do you scale to nine figures? If you've ever wanted to know what it takes to grow a business, then you're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in to Scaling with Samir. This show is intended to celebrate and highlight techniques and strategies taught by today's leaders in the business world. Want to know how an e-commerce business started in someone's home to being the world's largest sock store? Want to learn what it takes to become the CEO of one of the largest global online marketplaces? How about actionable steps to building stronger relationships with your customers to produce more revenue? Do you know which numbers you should be paying attention to and which numbers will lead you to success? How will you make your marketing campaigns successful after cookies are gone? Want to learn from the leaders in brand building and attention grabbing marketing? Well, all of those are already in our previous listed episodes, and this episode will be no exception. I interview the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good for the world. We will dissect what they did to get to the multi-million dollar mark. I'm your host, Samir Al-Kamouni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, which is a performance marketing agency specializing in scaling businesses. Sign up to receive tactics to apply directly to your business to improve results and scale at fetchfunnel.com podcast. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique business crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Hey everybody, welcome back to an exciting episode. I am super pumped for today's guest, Patrick Sherwin. He is an inventor, a founder, a CEO of a very, very cool brand that was pretty much bootstrapped and crowdfunded from day one. But over the years, they've come out with some super innovative products. And and one of the, the the key ones or one of the products that they started with was a portable high efficiency solar cooker, which is very cool and unique. And yeah, I'm super excited to, to feature Patrick, the founder and CEO of GoSun. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Samir. It's a pleasure to be here. I'd love for you to just start things off and just tell the audience more about GoSun and what you sell and what the brand is all about. Yeah, I've been doing solar uh, for about 20 years and uh, trying to figure out how to get solar energy to power our lives. And uh, the industry kind of got away from us. It got up onto rooftops or giant solar fields, um, just pushing electrons around. So I tried to keep it human and bring it, you know, bring it to a portable factor. Uh, We build appliances that help people thrive when they're off grid. Um, outdoor recreationalists, and then it also helps to build security or resilience. So all of our appliances are directed at meeting essential needs. And so that that can be to, to help you live a more convenient and easy life when you're outside or off-grid, and that can be in your backyard, but it can also be there for you when you really need it. If the power's out or you're escaping from a, a natural disaster so we run a full spectrum of appliances. I'll be excited to share more about here. Love it. And yeah, I mean, would as I guess I'm sure your role has changed over the years as the company has grown. And so I'm curious, you know, a little bit more about what your role is now at GoSun. And, you know, also, how did you get into it? How did you, you know, come up with this idea? And, and would love to hear the story even behind the brand. 
Cool. Yeah, I still uh, work hard to defend my my time as an inventor. Um, you know, I, I've always been solution centric. I've always been a tinkerer, um, and I basically took a solar water heater that was decommissioned and I turned it into an amazing oven. That was the result of the first invention that GoSun had, and that was about 15 years ago. I tinkered with the idea for several years before discovering uh, crowdfunding, and I launched it on Kickstarter. And then with that great success, it was, you know, what's the next invention? What's the next solution set? How do we address this need, that need? And we just keep going forward. I still spend most of my time on the solution side of the business on, you know, on basically creating new products through the R&D side. Um, And then I work a lot with our design and marketing teams to kind of bring those new products to life. Uh, We are a, a growing team, as you mentioned, we're, we're about 15 people strong. Um, we do have, uh, you know, robust website. We have a pretty decent um, online uh, presence through a bunch of other, you know, like platforms like Amazon. But we do all of our own uh, warehousing and fulfillment uh, here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, we do most of our manufacturing in Asia. Uh, so we'll design a good, uh, we'll prototype it here, uh, we'll do all of our refinement and testing here in in the states, and then uh, we'll go into production where we. We co-own a facility in China where we can uh, build products to spec, uh, maintain our IP and you know quality control, bring that stuff over and, and then distribute from here. We have a, a several other um, warehouses around the world where we distribute out of and we're selling in over 70 countries and have you know close to 100,000 happy customers. That's awesome. And I'm curious, I've seen you know, quite the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the progression of, of the, of the, the grill. And I'm curious, just, you know, as you've improved that over the years, you know, how, I guess, like, how have you gone, you know, through that process? And, and was it something that sort of came out of, you know, the Kickstarter original launch and, and, you know, you improved it from there? Like, what has that looked like, I guess, throughout the years, you know, innovating on, I guess, like already a very innovative product. Oh yeah. It's so much fun. Um, you know, coming up with a whole new way of cooking. Um, you know, one of the main things that we've done is looked at the outdoor kitchen and innovated in and around that experience. So how are you going to keep things cold? We came up with a cooler. I'll get into other, other appliances. Let's talk about the cooker for now. Um, the biggest constraint that we've had with solar cooking is simply what do you do when it's raining or what do you do at night? So we worked originally to uh, create a phase change material that would heat up into a liquid. And then at night it would recongeal into a solid and give off heat, cook your meal. That was a ball of wax and it was very difficult to deliver. So we pivoted to good old fashioned electricity in this case, 12 volt. So now we have ovens that run day and night and they use one, like one tenth of the electricity of a typical toaster oven or microwave because you're cooking inside a vacuum insulated chamber where none of the heat escapes. So the real, the real hack for GoSun is that we're cooking in a vacuum insulated chamber that has just unbelievable insulation value. And so starting from there, you know, there's, there's a lot of, new and interesting uh, ways to cook, um, different, you know, methodologies, different size and form factors. Uh, we've leaned a lot on our, um, our customer base. 
uh, we we inquire, you know, get feedback from them quite frequently. And you know, as a crowdfunded company, that's really a, a big part of the ethos. And we launched a um, like a group on Facebook, a community page, and uh, people are posting in there all the time. A lot of the ideas and recipes and things that have been posted in there have turned into little product accessories or mass email efforts of ours. So, you know, we're getting ideas from everywhere and, you know, letting the, the, the best idea win and, and try to jump into the market. We, we try to put out a few Kickstarters every year, Kickstarter or Indiegogo, with various appliances that fit into our suite of kind of the off-grid kitchen, um, you know, built for recreation and resilience. That's awesome. Listening to your customers, great advice. And then, and instilling, you know, looking for feedback on the, on the product and being humble enough to know that there's always room for improvement. Amazing. And then, and then, yeah, iterating and, and always innovating, coming out with new products. Um, uh, but then, teasing them in the market through crowdfunding, which, which I, I thoroughly enjoy. I love Kickstarters and Indiegogo's I've invested in a lot of help clients along, you know, in, over the years, I'm curious as you, you know, are, are thinking about launching new products, I guess, how, you know, how, what does that thought process look like? And, and what is that, you know, and how do you tackle that? Like, is it something where you're just, you know, you, the tinker and inventors like, Oh, this is a, a fun idea and let me run with it. Or is it something where you're like, Hey, I feel like this is a great complimentary product to one of our existing products. Or is it something you're like, Hey, I see this innovative opportunity in the market to do it better. Like what does that process look like for you guys? Yeah, it's a little bit of all of that. Um, but I, I kind of refer back to a spreadsheet. I'm a, you know, I'm a numbers guy and I think just about anything can be measured. Um, we have a giant product development spreadsheet. And just to give you a quick sense of how it works is um, it's all about like optimization. And so you have all your ideas and then you have all these various values. For example, um, the cost to engineer, um, you know, the alignment with the brand, um, you know, various, you know, is it profitable? Um, you know, is this something that uh, we think fits into our existing uh, product offering? How, how hard is the competition in this space? And so, you know, I, again, since I'm very idea centric, I might have 50 ideas on in the spreadsheet and we evaluate it constantly and there's new ideas going in constantly. And then with uh, maybe 20 different um, uh, points, uh, 20 different values that are all being assessed there, we look at uh, what's our priorities at this point in, in time. Uh, and, and then the best idea goes to the top and gets into our um, GoSun Innovation Machine uh, product development funnel, which usually takes about three months uh, to have a really reliable prototype. Um, and then depending on how complex that prototype is, it may be another three months. In some cases, it's another year or two of refining and testing that prototype before we can get it into our, um, you know, crowdfunding or, or letting our customers know, getting, getting into our production where we're actually building a thousand units ready to ship. That's awesome. And, and then I guess as you're launching these crowdfunding campaigns, are you, again, looking at the data and, and determining like, hey, I want this to reach a certain, you know, metric that then I'm going to really run with this product, put it on the website, put marketing dollars behind it and, you know, continue with it? Or is it something that, you know, if the numbers are too low, you're like, hey, we tested it, 
the market doesn't want it. How are you looking at that if you've been if you're launching, I guess, so many crowdfunding campaigns over the years? Yeah, again, you you're nailing it. Um, it's a bit of a combination. And originally, when we first launched, um, I had to do an all or nothing th- through Kickstarter. I had to raise forty grand, and if I didn't, I would have to pack up the idea and go home. Luckily, we raised over two hundred thousand, so that gave me that crowd validation to keep going. Um, we we still use those uh, all or nothing metrics, um, but typically when we get ready to launch something, we have already committed to launching it at this stage in the business, and then you know the and we're going to deliver the first say thousand units, and then it becomes can we scale this? So um, if it if it was tough to sell a thousand units, and you know our ad budget was exceeded and um, you know, there isn't like a, there, there isn't a sense that the market is large enough. It's too competitive. You name it. Um, then we may just get rid of those thousand support them, you know, support customers who bought them over the next couple of years and let that product sunset and get on with the bigger, better one. So we, we definitely only want to scale products that are, uh, uniquely, uniquely ours, uh, and that have met those metrics. And so we may launch, for example, we may, we've launched about 40 products now in nine years. And we only have about 15 core products that we continue to support and serve. Um, And that number may actually lower even further as we scale. So we have, you know, 10 really great products that are really scaling into the main mass markets. That's awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know what to call it. Cooler, fridge, freezer. I'm, I'm super curious on, on, on this product because I feel like it's, very, I mean, a lot of your products are super unique, but this is one to me that feels, you know, with the cooker, it's, it's like, you could still have a grill, you could still have a cooker, they serve different purposes, right? And, and you could still get into it, whether you, you know, even if you don't have a grill, maybe you get the cooker or something like that. Um, But with the, with the cooler, I'm I'm like, man, you're going head to head with, you know, the, some of the big dogs, like the Yetis of the world and things like that. But then I think you also have such a unique selling point i've seen that through your ads and and you know kind of cheeky stuff around that um but i'm i'm super curious on i guess like maybe how you even came up with that idea and then what that process has looked like you know as far as from inception to now you know trying to promote it i guess yeah yeah i think it all stems out of um a a desire for self-sufficiency or or self-reliance and i think that was instilled in me 25 years ago when I stepped into the solar energy space because most of the projects back then were off-grid. Um, you know, people living in far rural areas and they needed a little bit of light. They needed to run a fridge, run a fan. Um, and and so in the, in the realm of cooling, um, you know, we discovered these high-efficiency brushless DC compressors that could... Um, they just they just blew away all the preceding technology in the portable refrigeration space, and we figured this is a perfect thing to solarize and to run on the latest and greatest uh, lithium ion energy storage technology. So that was about nine years ago. It took us a couple of years to really find the right combination of technologies. And uh, we put that up on Kickstarter. Our audience was like, exactly, you know, there's often more of a need for food preservation than there is for, for food preparation, for cooking. Um, uh, oftentimes you're camping, it's, it's a hotter time of the year. So it's not so much cooking, cooking, cooking. It's about keeping 
meats and cheeses and drinks cold. Um, and it turns out coolers are really, really ill fit for food. I mean, coolers are, are good for drinks, but don't put food in your, in your Yeti because, you know, the ice is going to smash everything. And then once it melts, it's going to get inside the Ziploc bags and everything's going to smell like hot dog juice. So, you know, my, my adage there is coolers are a pain in the ice. Uh, where with this thing, I haven't bought a bag of ice in, uh, in like nine years since we got our first prototypes. Um, I, I just, ice. I can't, I, I can't remember, you know, when, when I had to deal with ice and why and how I dealt with it. Um, I can go to the fridge and, you know, I'm going out for a weekend. I can just kind of dump everything in the fridge that I want to bring into the portable cooler I go out for the weekend, I come back on Sunday and I can grab things in the cooler and, and put them back in the fridge. That was never possible with ice. And so that has really opened up a lot of possibilities. And again, since we can run it on the sun and as well as on 12 volt and on uh, the battery that comes with the products, um, you know, there, there's really, it's about convenience and, uh, and, and it's not about compromising and trying to be uh, you know, the most greeny weenie. It's, it's really just like, this is so much easier and I have so much less to worry about because I don't have to manage this constant melt device. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause it, it is like the second I see your products, like I see the convenience, I see the practicality of it. And I think that that is what to me makes it so unique. And I think that that's probably one of the, the things that attributes to your success because it, it's one of those things where it's, you know, like, wow, I never thought of that. But now that I see it, I'm like, that makes perfect sense, right? Like coolers, I only think about people who fish and keeping beers cold. <laughs> like nothing, you know, there aren't any other very practical opportunities to use it. And then I see yours and I'm like, oh, yeah, so many things that, <laughs> you know, there, there's all these opportunities now for me to use this and not, you know, like you said, having my food smashed and things like that. <laughs> but then... Yeah, I feel like it's just that very aha moment, I guess. Yeah, that- and that's that's a big part of, of, of a lot of our products. You know, a lot of them are really quite simple in in their their basic function. You know, the the why why are we doing this? I mean, uh, it's it's uh, why not use the sun to recharge a battery during the day that then that battery can be used to keep your drinks cold. Uh, run the lights, you know, cook a meal. Um, we have a coffee brewing system that we developed that's just a very obvious, very elegant, uh, heated travel mug, French press, all in one. It's called the Go Sun Brew. Um, and then we, you know, we created a water purification and sanitation system uh, during COVID because sanitation needs skyrocketed. And, you know, one of the challenges when you're out there off grid camping, whatever, is, is getting a good wash up. You don't have to walk all the way down to the bathroom if you know if you don't have your elaborate RV set up. So we've got this incredible little sink, and it also can push water through a three-stage water filter, so you always have you know fresh water to drink no matter what the source is. You don't have to carry bottled water. And the whole the whole point is like reducing the amount of trips that you're consuming things like ice or batteries or um, you know coffee from the gas station or alkaline batteries, charcoal, um, you know, plastic water. Uh, we, we created a set of, um, stainless steel utensils that fit in your wallet. So you don't have to use single use plastics every time you get carry out. 
And so, you know, our, our ethos are, are both about being eco-friendly, but, you know, you said it in the, in the convenience piece um, and performance piece. You know, this isn't about compromising performance of your product or lowering your standard of living. In fact, quite the opposite. This is about better performing, living with more convenience and, and thriving when you're off grid. Is, is that some of the objections that sometimes you have to handle? Cause like, I feel like I remember I wanted solar power. Like I, I saw solar power, portable banks as such like a, that makes sense type of thing. But I remember in the sort of some of the early day ones, it was like, well, it's gonna, you're going to have to have really great sunlight and it's going to take you two days to recharge the power bank versus like I could have just recharged it in an hour plugging into the wall. And it's like not very convenient in that sense. Right. But like, do you feel like that, that is that an objection that you sort of have to handle through your, you know, your marketing and your website and things like that, that people sometimes think that there, it may cause them, you know, I don't know what it, like, it just like, to your point, how, can I cook at night or something like that? Or do you find that most people are, are kind of getting it for the most part? I'm just curious for other marketers who are, you know, trying to come up with innovative products as well. Oh yeah. We, there's a lot of, um, challenges, you know, there, there's a lot of, I guess you call it like the mother culture pushes back against innovation. A lot of times, you know, there's some of us, there's, you know, I'm assuming you're one of them uh, was more of a visionary forward looking, future looking, and you're willing to adopt new innovation more openly. Uh, but trying to get from those early, early adopter customers to like the mainstream audience and crossing the chasm is, is really a challenging exercise. And you do have to speak to sensibilities um, you know, they're going to want four and a half stars on Amazon. They're going to want to see testimonials from people that are familiar. Uh, their neighbor has to give the, you know, or there's a celebrity that's endorsed it. And so, yeah, we face all of those challenges and we try to be as um, transparent and, and open about what we've created as possible. But I think it, it takes uh, some curiosity from the consumer uh, for us. And, um, you know, some energy consciousness, you know, people have to actually um, know a little bit about their energy footprint. Um, we're not, we're, we're not trying to tell you to lower your energy footprint, but we're trying to say, if you are willing to um, adjust a little bit, you know, that you, you can live with a lot more freedom because, you know, the way we design is also like, if you make an ultra efficient appliance, then you don't have to have so much baggage to, to, to fuel it if that makes sense. So yeah, like our, our water system uses one tenth the water of uh, a faucet at home. So when you're off grid and you're hauling water, you're, t you're moving one tenth of the burden around, you know, water's not very easy to move around. It's, so it's those kinds of adjustments that we may ask someone to make. And when you make those and you have the awareness and then you use it and you realize you don't have to compromise, you know, you're still getting clean or whatever then um then there's then there's the leapfrog it's like what was i doing in the past you know gosh this makes so much sense um but but i do think you know the customer has to have the will the interest and the openness and in some cases they have to do the research and we try to give them the facts we try to make our website as like as forward and and how it works and you know as explanatory and infographic easy as possible but uh in video too, you know, I mean, video is probably one of the things we've done the best and that's because of our 
crowdfunding exercises. You know, make these little two minute videos where you see, you know, right at the beginning, you see the problem and then you see, okay, this is why they developed this new solution. And then you see the features and then the, you know, the bennies and, and then the packages and the price and, and all these different use cases are being demonstrated throughout the video. And then maybe you want to click on the next video. That's more of the how to, and now you're really getting into the nitty gritty. You know, you plug it in here and you power it with that. And, uh, and then the customers, you know, synapses are firing and $600 doesn't seem so bad. You know, a lot of our products are a little bit more expensive initially, or maybe sometimes a lot more, you know, twice the cost of a Yeti cooler. Uh, but, you know, you factor in the convenience and, uh, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the performance side of things and you get more space, things are, you know, again, the, the fact that you could take your, your groceries home and put them back in the fridge, then you realize you're actually saving and thriving. Yeah. And I, and I, I applaud that cause I, I know that that's not an easy thing to tackle. I, I like the tip in the nugget that you gave where I encourage you know, people who are trying to figure out good videos to film for their own, you know, brand and business. Crowdfunding videos are always great examples, the successful crowdfunding campaigns, because that's usually you have to nail it. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like it is one of those feel good type of, of products, right? And, and product sets where, yeah, you make the purchase and, you know, you feel good about what you purchase, but then there's a practicality component where then it does make your life easier or you do realize these benefits very quickly. And then, and then it has that sort of sharing and recommendation baked in. I feel like where then you are going to share it with a friend like, dude, look at this new cooler I got. It's so cool. Let me tell you about the features of it just because you're pumped about it because it is so unique, uh, which you know, which who does that about a grill unless they're like, whoa, look at my $5,000 fancy grill that right? no one else is just saying like, hey, I got a new charcoal grill. You're going to be excited to see it. Right. But then now I have all, all this convenience of, hey, I don't have to go get more charcoal or oh, I don't have to worry about burning wood or whatever. Right. Or I don't have to worry about filling up. The, is my propane tanks empty or not? Right. But I can still kind of enjoy outdoors, do some cooking, even if it is in my own backyard versus the, you know, the camper or the RV or anything like that. Yep. You nailed it. Uh, and, and the shareability is another important, um, attribute that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to leverage, hard to know what's going to happen when it's in the hands of the consumer. Um, but we're doing more and more with that and with like QR codes and, um, you know, like your, your product will come with a little QR code that takes you to this and that digital location, um, where, you know, you can look at the how to video super quickly. You can turn around and, and, uh, go somewhere else and share, um, uh, you know, sh share on social, for example. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the cultural side of what we're doing is probably one of the most nuanced and complex. Um, it goes back to that point earlier around, you know, innovation, the adoption of innovation. And, um, you know, you just, you can't underestimate the, the power of the mother culture and it's like tendency to stick to the old ways. And so, you know, thankfully, with the internet and all these different communities found throughout the internet, you know, you could have an idea that can proliferate quite well with targeted efforts uh, and find that community. 
But again, you know, that community may be super tiny. And that's, you know, that's essentially the size of the solar cooking community. Just, just minuscule. Because solar cooking technology has never really been awesome. And then, you know, we changed that with GoSun. We've made solar cooking really convenient. You can do it any day of the year. It can be freezing cold and you can work through clouds with our technology. But that wasn't a big enough community, you know, even if we might be the biggest and best solar cooking company in the world, that's just um, not saying much. So then it was like, all right, well, let's use the same ethos to go into these other environments. And, um, you know, again, we're nowhere close to the size of Yeti, but we've got the the seed planted and, and the momentum is starting to be generated where people are convicted as to the merits of our technology and you're right, there'd be a word of mouth and at that soccer game and at that festival and at that fishing dock, when our product is being used and people are bragging about it, that's how we're, that's how we're now starting to really gain uh, that standard baseline of traction and web hits and sale volumes. Very cool. And I'm curious on that, like as you've you know, probably focused a lot of your marketing efforts and advertising dollars over the years and, and, you know, the, the, your targeting and all of those kinds of things. Um, it's, you know, you're, you, I can see you being this mass appeal product, right? Like anyone could get it, but then on the other hand, the negative aspect of that is, you know, to your point, it's kind of, kind of be these, you know, early adopters, people that understand it, people that are willing to investigate it a little bit further, you know, it's a little bit of an expensive price point, you know, to some people who may not necessarily get it. So have you, have you tried to go a little bit of the mass appeal or, you know, did you really try to double down on the groups that you were like, Hey, I know these people are going to get like RVers and van lifers and people like that, who are just going to immediately purchase it. And, and then not only purchase one thing, but get into your entire ecosystem of products. Um, or have you kind of danced a little bit in between? I'm curious kind of, you know, how you've navigated that and maybe where you've seen the most success. You know, we've seen a lot of success with targeted efforts, but our ultimate goal is to deal with the biggest audiences possible. So we're constantly, um, trying to grow the funnel and, uh, we're trying to do that again with, I mean, we find that our customers are a little older, you know, they're, they're in their forties, they're not in their twenties. And, and then once we can capture a customer, um, again, the GoSun innovation machine becomes integral in retention. And we have a, we have a growing repeat customer percentage. Um, so, so finding them is a shotgun effect that, you know, as wide as possible. Um, we, we, uh, we, we don't just push, you know, the environmentally responsible element of our product. And in fact, um, there's a, there's a market segment, you know, the lifestyle of health and sustainability, um, that, you know, they find us cause they're searching, you know, uh, we, in fact, you know, really try to stay a little bit more, um, neutral in, in, uh, in our audience sets and, you know, more focused on folks that are into, food, travel, outdoor, you know, outdoor rec, game, sport. Um, and and uh, that strategy has worked quite well because we have a lot of products that fit a lot of markets. Uh, I think, you know, our conversion rate is is fairly low. It always has been. 
I mean, that's largely, you know, we have such innovative technology that nobody's already shopping for. You know, this isn't Amazon, you know, where you just know you're going out there to purchase something. And so, like, Samir, our our conversion rate for the first five years of the business was like a half of a percent. And, you know, it tells you we have a lot of traffic, you know, and we have a lot of work to do to make our website better. But, uh, and to you know, make our products communicate to our audience. Uh, we've gotten that to be around 1% now with, you know, some serious efforts and investments. Uh, but there's no reason why it shouldn't be two, you know, or 3%. Um, so, you know, we still have a long way to go. And, um, and, and that has, you know, has more to do with that, those targeted efforts, you know, personalization on the site, um, you know, you know, again, really kind of the, the hierarchy of information and how it's shared and making sure it's super duper simple. Um, so, you know, again, my, my role in all this is to keep the new products moving forward and, and, you know, keep the overall growth of the business. So we've got a lot of developers now kind of working on the back end to, to sort through what I just described to, to really try to position stuff a little bit more appropriately. Yeah, but it, it's hard. Like we, we, we went through this, uh, we've had quite a few clients who had very innovative products and it's hard to get that higher conversion rate, right? Like people will tell you two to 4% standard e-commerce conversion rate, things like that. Right. But when you have to educate your customer, like it's just not going to be 4%. Like it's just, you, you you're not going to get it there. Right. And unless, yeah, unless like you said, it just, extreme amount of work, tons of social proof, all of these things behind it. Uh, and still it's going to be hard. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, certainly applaud you for, you know, acknowledging that and knowing that you've got to put the effort in and, and seeing the progression of that, because, you know, definitely knowing it's, it's not easy. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, no, that was funny. It, yeah. And I know it's not easy. Yes. I definitely have learned that. I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it has been, you know, <laughs> when I first launched this nine years ago and we did, you know, we had like a 3% conversion rate on the original Kickstarter that it just nailed it with respect to authenticity and price point and everything. And, uh, I thought, oh man, we're going to be golden. You know, this business is going to sh- shoot out $10 million a year, you know, hasn't shot out $10 million a year yet. Uh, we're working on it. And, um, you know, it's, it's all that stuff that you said, um, that, that handholding exercise of people really, uh, wanting this technology and understanding it and seeing where it fits in their lives. It's tough job. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I mean, you're, you're coming out with innovative products, you're building a great team, you're, you know, launching these crowdfunding campaigns, doing all of these things. I'm, I'm curious, what do you consider to be your biggest success so far? Could be more than one. Um, but I'm curious, you know, in maybe that biggest success, do you feel like you've, you know, you know, have you had any specific breakthroughs with that or anything like that? Well, we certainly have been lucky to have a lot of successes. Um, we, you know, we've averaged around three hundred fifty thousand dollars per product launch on on uh, Indiegogo. I think probably the one that that speaks to me the most is that um, the Ghost on Flow, which we launched during COVID, uh, during the peak of COVID back in twenty twenty one, which is sorry twenty twenty. Uh, which is this water purification and sanitation system, because it really helped to like prove how quick our innovation machine is and, and how uh, effective we can address real dire solutions or needs out in the market. Um, and, 
and the customers are super happy with it. Um, you know, the, the product leverages like 10 existing parts, you know, 10 things that were already being made and about five things that we iterated and no one had ever put any, you know, no one had put those things together. So, um, it wasn't specifically, you know, high cost for us. There wasn't a ton, a ton of engineering, uh, but it, the, the solution just really, um, it really hits and helps. And, and I call it like the LED of, of water consumption. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's one-tenth the consumption of a typical faucet at home, but it does the same job. Uh, and so that product really has wings and it, it's really off, off to, 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 on its own. Um, which, which just feels great. Uh, and it really helped to round out our offering, um, with the cooking, the cooling, the coffee, the power, the light, now the water. Um, and then, and then just this past year in 2022, we, uh, we launched, we did a joint venture with a, a young company that's making an RV and we put, we, we make this solar version of their product. So we, we buy the base unit and make all kinds of modifications to put our solar systems into it in all of our appliances so that you're camping like with, with all goes on and it's just extremely um, low energy. So you, you, you know, the, the product is super duper light and easy to tow and then, you know, everything can run on solar and, and power back up that we, we integrate into it. Super cool. I'm, I'm curious on, on flow, you know, maybe going back to my earlier question on, you know, product innovation and, and coming up with new products. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, Sawyers of the world exist, Life Straw, Berkey, you know, all these other, all these other brands that have already, you know, been doing it for years. And then there's a million YouTube videos on, the disgusting water people will drink with it and stuff like that. Right. So in that thought process of creating that new product, uh, certainly at a time of need, which is, which is great. But then is it something that you're like, Hey, I want to be, I want to be better than everything on the market, or I want to be, you know, a lower cost solution, or is it, you know, or is it like, Hey, I just want it to be complimentary, to our other products to like kind of the point that you just mentioned right here, like, Hey, I just want it to fit into the lifestyle of my existing customers. And I'm not trying to build a me too or, or anything like that, or trying to necessarily beat the competition, but just be just as good as the best ones. Yeah. How, how, I guess, how did you, how do you go through that, that thought process and, and uh, innovation process? Great question. Um, initially, uh, I really didn't didn't think about the competition at all. Um, I was more focused on a need that related to um, water in our in the context of the Gosun solar kitchen ecosystem, and uh, I wanted I really wanted to come up with a sink. Um, I, I've done a lot of camping and whitewater rafting, and you know, multi day water expeditions and things and you know taking a water bottle and putting it you know between your knees or or asking somebody to hold it while they dump it on your hands and you wash your hands up it's it's a big challenge um and so the sink was was the was was the goal and uh the way that that catalyzed the way it came to life was i was in a uh at a friend's classroom 
uh, given a little talk to some elementary school kids about solar. And he had a little aquaponics system where there was like some tilapia and some plants all growing in this little aquarium and this tiny little USB powered pump. And I just said, let me see this pump. Where'd you get this pump? You know, and I, and I hounded on him and I, um, I realized that that could be the base of the ghost on flow ecosystem. USB power is everywhere. We all have little extra ways to, you know, charge our cell phones now. So I can run this pump for days, it pulls two Watts. And then I needed a filter and the filter, um, was, uh, the the design considerations or restraints related to the pump. So I couldn't use um, the style of filtration that like Sawyer and Lystrol use because they put too much head pressure on the pump, Um, that ceramic uh, style. So uh, we had to come up with like a more of a cartridge filter style of filter. And um, we, we, you know, scoured the world and found them in Taiwan. The things made out of, there's, there's parts in that filter coming from three different countries, United States, Japan, China. It's assembled in Taiwan. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, and, and it's very unique and specific. And, and then um, with that, we, we developed a faucet and kind of all those other elements to it. Obviously, you want your faucet to be able to turn on and off. So we came up with a little um, USB powered switch system that's effortless and it fail safe. And, um, and the rest is history and, and, uh, and told the story of, and this is how my mind works. You know, it's very much about like, well, what if we could do this and this and that, you know, and a lot of people have to say, Patrick, please, we can't do all of those things. So I have to go back to the drawing board and pick, okay, well, maybe we can't do all five of those, but we can do these two for sure. And then we'll see if people like this third benefit or this third feature element. And sure enough, they liked it all. And, um, and that's, you know, again, one of our top selling products, the Ghost on Flow. And, and uh, for like $250, you know, you can kind of meet all of your family's water needs for an entire month until the, the cartridge filter has to be replaced. Like if you were, if you're using it to use it to create all your own drinking water. And so and it turns into a kitchen sink and can become a shower. So, um, but, you know, Berkey and Lifestraw and other Sawyers, you know, they weren't, they weren't looking at that, you know, that. It, it took uh, it took my my crazy uh, uh, ADH style of of brain to be able to see all those different opportunities. So cool, yeah, because they're just they're just fulfilling one need, and your tra- your product fulfills a bunch of needs, uh, which yeah is 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 super cool. I love that. Um, could you speak to maybe you know any of the maybe hard lessons learned or, or maybe landmines that you've, you've stepped on that others following in your footsteps might benefit from hearing about? Yeah. Um, especially in the realm of product launch and product development, crowdfunding, you know, it's, it's very easy to, you know, think you can do something um, and it's much harder to do it. <laughs> so the, uh, an idea is so cheap. Um, and it's, it's, you know, you want ideas, you know, I got that all day long, no problem to, to go and build them and deliver them, you know, select which ideas are worth your time and energy. That's, I think where, where real real success really lies. Um, you know, your customer will expect the idea to be perfect in a box. Um, and so you better, you better make sure you, you whittle it down to 
what you know you can deliver in that box. And it's just too easy to add those features and benefits because they're simple ideas in the early phase. And I highly encourage people to really get, um, you know, get an understanding of their costs. Uh, obviously, things like uh, like the international logistics and, you know, shipment, fulfillment, that stuff's, you know, quite expensive, uh, especially today. It's come down a lot since COVID, but, but it's, uh, it's a huge factor. And then, of course, customer support, uh, the follow-on support. Um, so you just, you know, I think that the main thing is being careful what you promise and making sure that you can deliver on your promises. Love that. It's uh, having a brand that you feel like you can stand behind, a product that you can stand behind, and then and it's super important for developing the team as well, right? So Because if your team doesn't believe in it, then, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to have a hard time, uh, you know, trying to uh, back anything up or, you know. But then on the other hand, you know, you you get those you get those evangelists pre built in, right? When you do offer that that, and you do match those guarantees and 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 fulfillment because your customers, you know, are are super happy. Your team will be you know advocates for you. They'll they'll go above and beyond in the customer service and and all of those types of things that I feel like sometimes a lot of brands miss or or forget about, uh, especially when they're growing really quickly. Uh, I think that's something that's you know it's it's. It's uh, it kind of takes someone humble to really pay attention to that and make sure that they're you know really fulfilling on that. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I you nailed it with that, and and I, I it made me think too. I, I notice a lot of young brands are. Um, I think you know the world's getting more and more visually centric with Instagram, and so they're trying to make sure that they're that their branding is impeccable and that their product is impeccable and that, um, their colors and logo. And, and for, for me, I don't think that's really where you ought to be focusing at the beginning. I mean, yes, focus on the product, but again, focus on getting it into consumers hands and making them happy that if you don't have that, you don't have anything. And, you know, putting this, this brand first, I I think for me, it's more like, put the product first, then build the brand. And you might say, you know, it's like the, the classic design battle between form and function. I'm more functions first than form. And so same thing when you're building your website and whatnot, you know, focus on the products that you're selling um, and your checkout and uh, how you're going to keep communicating with customers, you know, catch their email, their SMS. Uh, those functional elements um, are are the most important, then you can get the colors and the, and the, the, the cute little graphics and, and design elements down. Um, you know, this is coming from someone in their forties. Uh, I know the world is very visual and people in their twenties make beautiful websites. Thank you for making things beautiful. Um, and I, I want to, I wish I could make everything beautiful first, you know, at all times. But, um, but I think, you know, I think the adage is, you know, Done is better than perfect. Something that functions is better than it having this perfect artistic touch. Like you're an entrepreneur, you have a limited runway, you have limited capital. Let's just try to get that product shipped and get those first hundred happy customers, and then you know see what they want. And 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 if you if you lock yourself into a certain brand, you know or a, a certain style you know, you may not be able to adjust to, you're going to need to adjust to stay open. 
Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I make that I make similar comparisons all the time when I'm you know encouraging clients around you know landing pages and and all of those types of things, especially because it's it's yeah it it is important to have it look nice and and be modern. All of those things is important, but like the copy and the messaging and what you're talking about is is ten times more important. I've seen the ugliest page in the world with a good message convert ten times higher than the most gorgeous page with just mediocre you know messaging and yeah and i feel like that's the that kind of goes across everything to your point you know the form over function around products and 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 all of those kinds of things because yeah at the end of the day if it looks beautiful but it it you know doesn't work well i mean the car industry is probably the most perfect example of that (laughs) right yeah (laughs) if it doesn't drive well but it looks gorgeous well Yeah, not going to do well. Um, yeah, I mean, last thing, curious, any book recommendations that you you have for anybody out there? Oh, there's two authors that I'm really loving right now. Um, Brene Brown. Brene Brown, excuse me. Uh, I've got it on the desk over there. The title, uh, something about daring. Let me, let me grab it really quickly. And the other person is um, Simon Sinek. Uh, oh, yeah. Simon Sinek, uh, you know, uh, Leaders Eat Last. Uh, so yeah, I, I love plowing through books and, um, uh, you know, books on, on, on leadership. Yeah. I guess the other one that referenced in this, uh, call a couple of times was, um, crossing the chasm, uh, is it Jeff Lawton, Jeff, uh, I can't remember the, the author's name, but, but yeah, a classic book, uh, really, really helpful in, in the realm of kind of like the lean startup ethos where, you know, you want to fail early, fail often, try things, um, but you got to find your beachhead. You know, you got to find that element that resonates with your consumer that um, can, and, and then you focus on that specific market and consumer, and then, uh, and that'll get you across the chasm so that you can hopefully get to the mainstream and really scale your company. Love it. Great recommendations. Uh, Patrick, really awesome value here. A lot, really great conversation. A lot of really good golden nuggets in here. I encourage you know everyone to check out GoSun. Talked about a, a couple of really cool products, but there's a whole bunch more on their site. And then not only that, but if you believe in the brand and the product, you can even invest in them right now because they're they're up on Start Engine. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can even you know be a, a partial owner in the business, um, which I'm thinking about doing myself personally. So uh, yeah, Patrick, really appreciate you being on the podcast and thanks so much yeah the pleasure's all mine and thank you so much samir thank you so much for listening to scaling with samir please subscribe and leave us a review your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team We also have snippets of these episodes on YouTube. Scaling with Samir is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel. We've partnered with hundreds of businesses and generated over 500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. If you're trying to scale your business, get in touch with us today at fetchfunnel.com. You can also get content that you can learn and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale on our email newsletter. If you are a successful business that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit fetchfunnel.com slash podcast guest. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.